Hello, and welcome to The Potential State. I'm Dr. Asel Romanelli, and today we're doing the first installment on the Crucible paradigm, or the Crucible series. These are series, kind of my meditations on the thought, the knowledge, the theory of David Schnarch. Dr. David Schnarch, who wrote several books, one of them is called The Passionate Marriage, it's called Constructing the Sexual Crucible, and he's a sex therapist and a couples therapist, and he basically built a, uh, a conjoined paradigm that in, about relationships and intimacy, which I find fascinating. And I'll be dedicating a few of these uh, episodes to kind of taking little parts of his theory and then kind of infusing it with my, the way I see it, the way I work with these concepts. So today I want to talk about how to communicate authentically by broadcasting live, and Basically, we all want to be safe. We all want to have uh, be liked and loved, and we're always, all of us have a little bit of shame of certain parts of ourselves. So we tend to uh, present. We tend to give out business cards and of how we like to be seen: funny, sexy, sweet, helpless, tall, strong, weak, reactive, proactive, charismatic. And the way we bring ourselves to the world is usually through self-presentation. Self-presentation is I'm telling the greatest hits. Each one of us has the greatest hits, the stories we've told a thousand times. How, uh, we went, uh, how I went to Chicago at sixth grade and how that made me very, you know, very sensitive and an introvert. And how in my bar mitzvah they spelled my name wrong on the cake and I was upset. You know, each one of us has these stories which usually um, kind of create, generate this certain reaction from the audience whether it's empathy or ridicule or, wow, he's so cool, he's so blunt, he's so sensitive, he's so funny. Wow, he's really, really smart, right? So we, do, we, we dish out these, these greatest hits, I call them, these self-presentation stories or, mo or modes. And the problem with self-presentation is it kind of it breeds um, these kind of almost, uh, I wouldn't say false, but almost like, kind of directed or choreographed reactions from society, right? It, it encourages what Schnarch calls my reflected sense of self. My sense of self is always needs to be validated or getting reflected by other people. So I'm going to tell my cute stories and people are going to think I'm cute, but after a while, I'm not really, I don't really believe that they really think I'm cute. They only think I'm cute because I'm bringing them these stories. And, and on the other side, on the receiving end, when someone's bringing me self-presentation, I'm, this is what Mears calls pseudo-spontaneity. I think I'm spontaneous, but I'm actually interacting. I'm an actor in their play. We all have these experiences. It happens a lot in therapy, but also in, reg in real life, regular life, where I st I'm feeling really good and I'm having a conversation with my partner, with my son, with my friend, and suddenly I'm getting really cynical or really sad or really, you know, playful. And, and that's not really mine, Right. I kind of got, um, Ringstrom calls this mutual inductive identification, where I get sucked into someone else's drama and I think it's mine and I interact with that. So the self-presentation breeds more self-presentation. So then, you know, they, they throw their greatest hits at me, I take them and then I give the reaction they expect, thinking that I'm spontaneous, but actually this is exactly what they wanted. And I give it to them, but they actually feel like it's really false because they already, they already know this story. They've told this story a zillion times and they know the reaction it's going to get. Now, self-presentation is natural. It's unavoidable. We can't always be authentic and bring everything raw. We need those greatest hits. But what happens when we want to go deeper in a relationship? What happens when we want to have a more authentic interaction? 
The other mode of communication that Schnarch calls is self-disclosure or self-exposure. That's the way I usually call it. Where I'm actually sharing something that I'm not really sure how it's going to land with the other people. I have no um, unconscious or semi-conscious expectation of how they're going to react to that. It's not one of my greatest hits. And I feel comfortable enough that I'm going to share it even if they're not going to reciprocate by clapping, you know, applauding me, comforting me, giving me a hug, saying, aw. All right, that's self-disclosure, where I'm, I'm comfortable enough. That requires a solid sense of self, as Schnarch calls it. A sense that I know who I am, I'm owning my shit, and I'm going to share something with you guys, or with you, my wife, my son, my partner, my colleague, my friend. You might not like it, but you're free to react however you want. And I'm thinking about also these Facebook Lives, which force me into self-disclosure because it's all improvised. I mean, I have some points, but I'm broadcasting live. So for me, when I describe this, when I teach self-disclosure, I call it broadcasting live. It's not scripted. It's not rehearsed. I don't know where this is going to go, but I'm right here right now, and I'm giving you this is what's happening right now. I want to give you guys a few examples, A, of how it feels to, when someone else is in self-presentation and how it feels when, when you're in self-presentation. So I want to start with um, a friend of mine, and she is um, very charismatic and very outgoing, and she keeps having these crazy, crazy stories, and it's, it's just like it's so raw, it's in your face. But I, I've realized over time it's hard for me to make eye contact with her. And I feel like that eye contact, um, for me, I'm learning, is the reason it's hard for me to to make eye contact with her over long periods of time because I feel like it's too much. Like she's intruding and I have to react in a certain way because if I look her in the eyes, then I need to go, whoa, whoa, wow, you're so cool, you're so crazy. And it doesn't feel authentic to me. And the only way I can kind of avoid getting sucked into that self-presentation is by breaking eye contact and holding on to myself. Or a different woman I know who is a very much of a victim mentality She's always, you know, people are hurting her, people are neglecting her, people are not respecting her. And I, al I also need to break eye contact there because it's too much. Because I feel like she's, she's drawing me. In, and then what I have to say when she's a victim is, oh, I'm so sorry, or you got this, or to give her the pep talk. And I don't want to do that. So I find that a lot of times when I encounter self-presentation, I break eye contact. And I want to give you another example of when I caught myself in self-presentation. So I was actually giving a presentation in Berlin in the Improv and Therapy Symposium. And I was talking about my doctor, my research, and then there was a moment where I said, you know, I developed this course called Improv for Therapists, and I'm happy to email it to all of you, the syllabus of the course. And as I was saying it, I realized that I'm kind of giving this facade of this altruistic person who's happy to give their syllabuses. But actually, as I said it, I realized I'm in self-presentation mode, and I said... Um, actually, I'm not, I'm not, I will send it to you, but I'm not happy to send it because I worked really hard on it, actually. And I, I know that I should be sending it, but it's hard for me here. Now, for me, that was owning my shit and was calling myself on my own little self-presentation. I wanted to come off as the altruistic, generous, benevolent researcher. And actually, that's not true. It's also true, but it's not the complete truth. And for me, I needed, it was kind of a way of like, you know, coming out of the closet and saying, I'm not actually that altruistic. I also have this, this piece of, of ownership, of jealousy, of holding on to my own knowledge. So for me, um, Mears calls this a leap to freedom, right? So there's the pseudo-spontaneity of, 
of self-presentation, both as the deliverer and as the receiver. And you have to leap to freedom, to dare to step into that crucible, right? And, and Schnarch talks about crucible relationships, intimate relationships are crucibles, are hot places where you melt, you die, and you're reborn. You die and you're reborn. So for me, it's a leap to freedom by saying to 70 German therapists, I'm not, I won't happily send you the syllabus, but I will. Because I know that this is how it needs to work. The revolution needs to start by sharing knowledge. Even if here, sometimes it's hard for me. Right? So I'm leaping to freedom from self-presentation to self-disclosure. And, and the price you pay for going to self-disclosure is not, not everyone is going to like you. Okay. Also, when someone's self-presenting and you're not, you're, not not, you're not cooperating with that, that's going to be experienced as a rupture, as being rude or insensitive or cold because they're expecting you to react in a certain way and you're not doing that. In fact, every single person that comes to my clinic, this is what I'm going to say at the beginning. You will be giving me your business cards. You will be giving me your narratives. And my job is to not take those narratives, not take those business cards. Or as a woman told me in Berlin, I need to respect you, but not necessarily respect your narrative. In the sense, and the narrative in this sense means your self-presentation. Because what happens is we usually people don't call us on our self-presentations, and we keep presenting this facade of ourselves, and that slowly becomes who we are. And we have a very narrow perception or very narrow, narrow um, maneuver, like room to maneuver, and our life becomes very, very shallow. And the interactions we get, if I'm the victim and that's my business card, so I'll be attracting to my lives either saviors or aggressors. Saviors or aggressors, because the only role I know how to play is victim, or the only role I present, the only narrative I present is that of the victim. So if I leap into self-disclosure, if I refuse self-presentation, I will be creating lots of ruptures. And on the, on the, um, on the communicating side, when I'm self-disclosing, I need to realize that people might not like what they see. And not everyone's going to love me, or not everyone's going to react in the way I wanted them to react. What I will be disclosing can land very differently to different people because they're free to react however they want. And once again, my, my, um, the way I, I can feel if it's self-disclosure self is, do I feel free to react in different ways? Do I feel like there's a pull that I need to say a certain aw, or laugh or ask that question? Or am I free to react in many different ways or not react at all? And I'll give one more example, then I'll go into practical tips. I have a student who's been studying with me for three years, every single week. Um, playback theater, improvised theater. And he told me last night, he said, you know, I've been watching you for three years. And this year, I'm feeling something different. He said, I see your shadow more this year. And I'm not saying it's good or bad, but it's different. I'm seeing different parts of you. I'm seeing where you're struggling. I'm seeing where you're victorious. I see where you're experimenting. I see where you're challenging yourself. And in the beginning, I was kind of insulted. I was like, oh, he's seeing my shadow. He doesn't think I'm the perfect facilitator anymore. But as I was preparing and thinking about this talk, I was thinking, that's actually a good sign. That means I'm more self-disclosing. I'm not the benevolent, professional, you know, well-rounded facilitator. He's seeing more parts of me, which actually means I'm more disclosing, which actually means I'm more authentic because I'm broadcasting live. I'm allowing people to see different parts of myself. I'm not afraid of that anymore. So actually what his feedback is telling me, I'm developing a more solid sense of self. And, if, and Schnarch will say, and we'll be talking about this in the future episodes, 
right? Uh, one of the goals of our lives is to become more and more solid of, with who we are. So we can be closer to other people and not be threatened and not be forced to be what, it, what they want to be. And we don't have to go to either, this is who I am, take it or leave it, or erasing myself for people, or the togetherness and individuality. I can find the middle ground, which is called differentiation. Differentiation, my ability to be myself and also be close to someone else. And that happens through self-disclosing. And that is creating a solid sense of self. So now a few practical tips. Notice if you're communicating with people and it's hard for you to keep, maintain eye contact. Something about when you look them in the eye, you feel like there's a pressure to do something. Or I'll give one more example. I have a new client and she always smiles. And she smiles even when she's saying hard things. And when someone smiles, it's only natural and polite and PC to smile back. Even our mirror neurons are activated to smile back. But the problem is when I'm always smiling, when she's smiling, she's kind of, it's a kind of a self-presentation that makes me smile. So everything she's saying is cute and, and sweet and not so heavy, not so serious. And it took me a few sessions so I said, if it's okay, I'm going to stop smiling now. I want to liberate myself to react in whatever way I want to. And the second I stopped smiling, it actually opened up and I could hear many different um, motions, many different um, parts of her within that because I stopped smiling, because I opened myself up. Or when we're, when we're performing in playback theater and uh, an audience member comes on stage and tells us a story, we've learned to stop laughing or smiling because a lot of storytellers will say, this is a really funny story and they're going to tell it really funny. They're going to say, this is a very sad story. And they're kind of telling us, this is how I want you to accept my story. This is my business card. This is my narrative. And as artists, as improvisers, as therapists, as humans, as partners, as parents, we need to be able to not necessarily you know, get sucked into the self-presentation. So we work very consciously in our rehearsals not to smile too much, not to go with whatever the teller tells us, but let the story land inside of us. So first of all, choose an interaction or relationship where you feel like it's hard for you to make eye contact or, it's, or you feel there's always this pressure to be a certain way or you find yourself always in the same kind of modality with that other person. You're always the savior. You're always the aggressor. You're always very cynical. Just notice that first of all. And <clears throat> see if you can kind of, for yourself, what is the expectation? What is the expected reaction for this story or from this, this person has of me? Or what, am I, what are my uh, popular reactions with this person? And just notice that over time and see, is it the same type of reactions? Or is, there, is it a very narrow kind of repertoire of, of modes of interaction we have? And if you're starting to realize that, that is probably self-presentation. And if you recognize that and you want to challenge that, so first of all, hold on to yourself. That's what Schnarr says. And dare to break that self-presentation. It will always create a rupture. For instance, listen, I, what's all this up with all this cynicism? I don't feel like I want to be cynical or, or I don't want to gossip today about this or it's hard for me to always hear how much you're in pain and how, how everyone is, is, is aggressive toward you. Or the truth is I feel like I always need to cheer you up all the time. Can we not do this for once today? Or I feel like we're all, you're always smiling and I feel like what you're saying is actually kind of sad. Is it okay if I react in a different way? And Mears calls this the leap to freedom. So from the pseudo-spontaneity of the self-presentation, I'm leaping to an authentic reaction of 
what I'm feeling right now. And sometimes if I need to break eye contact or say one second, let's just take a pause here, or let's just take a breath and just see what is my truth right now. Kind of waking up from that, from being an actor in their drama to reconnecting to yourself. And like we said about empathy, not sympathy. And then from there, I can step close to you and be, give you an authentic reaction from my core, from my solid sense of self. And when you are communicating and you find yourself in self-presentation mode, it can happen when you're obviously lecturing or teaching, but it can also happen just with a conversation with friends. If you feel like you're starting to bullshit or you're saying things you don't believe in or you find yourself kind of in a facade that's getting start, kind of hard to maintain, call yourself on it. Say, um, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm bullshitting, or the truth is I don't really know what I'm talking about, or I had a direction and now I'm just trying to convince you about something, or I'm just going really cute because I don't really know what I'm trying to say right now. If you can own that shit and, and call yourself on it, what you're gonna be doing, you're gonna be stepping out of self-presentation to self-disclosure, because the second you're saying that to someone, you're already kind of sharing with them that what just happened before, it was me, but it was a kind of a, 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 a self-presentation version of myself. And the more you can learn to call yourself on it, the more you step into self-disclosure, the more you're raising the bar for the, your partner, your friend, your child, whoever is around you to also self-disclose. And what you're, begin, you're going to be getting more authentic and raw and real interactions that are co-created, they're synergistic, not just two people lecturing and giving out their greatest hits but actually exciting human interactions. At the end of the day, life is short, and when are you gonna be yourself? At the end of the day, when you come home, after the kids go to sleep, after your partner falls asleep, when you're alone with yourself, life's too short, you wanna be as authentic as you can all day, because that's what gives you a sense of vitality. Because at the end of the day, we don't have time to do all the self-presentations and all the facades and the niceties. We wanna be ourselves. So again, leaping to freedom from self-presentation to self-disclosure. And following a few episodes, we're going to develop these ideas around crucible, around differentiation. So I wish you guys, all of you, self-disclosed moments where you are connected to who you are and also close to the others. My name is Dr. Asel Romanelli, and this was, was The Potential State. I'll see you next time.